Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. everyone and welcome to episode 574 of long box heroes the lamborghini of comic book podcasts i'm todd along with joe how we doing today joe i'm doing great and uh this is getting some of those plugs maybe out of the way a little bit quick uh so this week's episode of hit my music david mm-hmm. Kincannon, the jingle meisters show he has professional wrestler travis huckabee on and he gets a kick out of that whole Lamborghini of everything. Right, and right. He, he he was he was leery. He's like, oh, maybe I should call myself the Lamborghini of professional wrestlers. Right. And uh, David said, sure. Uh, I and uh, he's like, oh, it was Joe and Todd's thing that they came up with over on their show. He goes, oh, I don't want to step on their toes. Um, I say, if you want to call yourself the Lamborghini of anything, I say, go for it. Yeah, as long as, uh, you know, we get a quarter, like Gene Simmons, we get a quarter every time you say it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and don't ever put a money sign on a, on a bag or you're going to get in trouble. Those That's are the what... two things, pieces of advice I can give you. <laughs> the two things that Gene Simmons owns many, well, again, <laughs> how does he not own podcasting at this point? Uh, he might, he might just say, I just think Gene's a, a flag planter. It's just like, who's going to fight him? It's like, he's got the money. It's like, you know what? Uh, I own the rights to oven burners. Anytime you use an oven burner, I got to, I got to get like, I got to get like two cents. Go ahead. Fight me in court. <laughs> it's like, so you just give Gene the two cents for use for, you know, for sauteing onions. I don't know. What, what, what can you do? Right. So, yeah, anyone, you, you just can't say, um, you know, you can't be Lamborghini of comical podcast. You can't be Lamborghini of podcast networks. Right. Those are the two that we own. Then you could do whatever you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do we like got to- on the show today? Yes. Um, Disney legal stuff uh, with Marvel. Also, Marvel cancellation and uh, and replacements. And it's a slow news day. Also, we have convention, digital sales, what we read last week, which was Red Sonia, Black, White, and Red, uh, number three, and Batman the Detective, number five. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues, Todd's art attack, and at the end, spoiler-filled talk of both uh, Stargirl and the latest episode of Why the Last Man. Did I miss anything, Joe? No, I do like the way that you read those things, though. Oh, good. good. Do I try to do it like newsy man style, not shoesy man style, but newsy man style. No, you're good. You're good. So uh, there was questions that I saw from our listenership on social media mm-hmm. um, wondering what's going on with Gardens of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. because there had not been anything solicited past uh, this past week's issue 18 and uh it just seems odd that they're not doing anything more with them right they had al ewing come on as kind of like a big thing um you know i think some of the momentum of the book may have gotten stalled during you know the two or three months where marvel didn't put any books during the pandemic 
Right. And they just wrapped up like a big annihil- uh, annihilist thing. And uh, there's no Guardians of the Galaxy book on the stands. It just seems to be an unserved part of the Marvel audience that obviously, you know, is a book that's been selling for, you know, better part of the last like 15 years. Yep. And I mean, I read I read it this week and it's not like they didn't know, like it doesn't end ambiguously. It, it It's like, oh, like we wrapped up our storyline. We beat the big baddie, um, blah, blah, blah. And the guard, like literally they say at the end and they like, oh, like in a big, like almost photo sh- pose, like the guardians need a vacation. So I don't know why or a, a, a well-deserved des- vacation they get. I'm like, okay, so it wasn't in the the, the solicits. But you knew it was done, so, like, why didn't we ever announce, like, the only way people knew that it was getting canceled was because they announced it a few days, because the book was going to be out in three days saying it's no more. It's really that I, it's really weird. I agree with you, but there is some stuff like with Doom, he's in there, he, he finagles some stuff, he's like, and I have this for, like, this ace in the hole for when I need it, and I'm like, this all seems like there's there's more to come here. But it it all wrapped up nicely, so I don't know. I think something's up. Yeah, so it's just an interesting way. Uh, Let's hope that it's Marvel trying to be super secretive about some sort of plans. Right. As opposed to them not knowing what one hand is doing and wrapping up a book with a bunch of dangling plot threads and so forth. Right, right. Uh, another book uh, with some question marks around it over at Marvel is the Joe Kelly, Chris Bacallo nonstop Spider-Man book. Mm-hmm. Uh, another book that had been in the pipeline, delayed quite a bit, uh, as mentioned during the pandemic, early days of this. And I think when it launched initially, I think in the course of a year, we only got five issues. Yep. Um. So uh, there's another one where, you know, and it was no surprise if it wasn't solicited for October, November, December, because, again, that's just the way this book has kind of been running. But we're, we've now been told that the issue that comes out this week is the fifth and final issue of it. Joe Kelly will be back with the book, uh, titling it Savage Spider-Man <laughs> with a uh, different artist. Right. And I like Chris Bacallo's art. I like Joe Kelly as a writer. Um, one, I definitely think Chris Bacallo was the, uh, reason this book was delayed as much. I think so. And I think there was even something, I don't know, maybe he was sick or something. He's yeah. sad anyway. Yeah. You know? And I don't think we're going to be seeing this book again. What? Uh, yeah, I, I well, so they're claiming that it's going to come back in 2022. I don't see it coming back in 2022, uh, unless it gets folded into what's ever going on in Amazing Spider-Man coming up in the next, like, month or two. Right. But I don't see this being its own separate standalone whatever. Just, this, this book felt, sn- this book, this idea, this whatever, just was, like, snake bit from the beginning. It was a reintroduction of Baron Zemo in a Spider-Man book. We're like Baron Zemo's cracking jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this was supposed to come out in conjunction to or alongside of Baron Zemo's portrayal uh, in the Falcon Winter Soldier TV show. But I, I definitely think that it was just snake bit from the beginning. But it had a die cut cover, Joe. It should have been money in the bank. I, hard pressed to disagree with those statistics. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I really don't have an opinion because I, I ended up reading the first issue and I didn't care for it. I mean, I, I loved Bacallo's art back in the day, not so much anymore. So I was like, yeah, this book isn't for me. But I was like, I had a feeling even, you know, at the best of times, sometimes he doesn't hit marks. So we'll, I'm with you. I don't see this book coming back either. Uh, but I would say the last uh, news story, less comic books, but, you know, it is it affects comic books, but I think it affects, you know, the things that make a little bit more money, and that's the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be the estates and family members of Steve Ditko, Gene Colan, Don Heck, Don Rico, and Larry Lieber have uh, filed um lawsuits and trademark termination notices uh to marvel against a variety of characters most notably spider-man and doctor strange right what are your thoughts and feelings on this Uh, do you want to hear my crazy out there conspiracy theory or do you want to hear my normal thought both okay normal thought you know i think it's just the time has come like his copyrights and all that stuff and trademarks run out. And Hey, if they have, if that's their right, go do it. Um, I think Disney is going, going to crush them at, at some point. Um, but, and, or maybe they'll work out an agreement or whatever, give them a check and, you know, everybody and everybody's happy because I really don't think the family want the characters. They want the money. So that'll be it. My conspiracy theory is Disney wants, these people to win for spider-man especially like i have this weird, like i have this weird feeling that there's some collusion that they're oh. just like uh here you sue us and then if you win maybe it'll wipe away all our bad deals that we made years ago with spider-man and everything will revert to you and then we could buy them back off of you instead of universal and then we'll own them again you'll have a lot of money everybody will be happy so I think on the list, you know, at least who jumps out at me, Spider-Man, of course, is like the big neon sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said Universal. Uh, Sony is the one. Sony, Spider-Man. yes. Spider-Man. Yes. So your thing is it's less uh, Ditko going after Disney Marvel. It's more so Sony going or Ditko going after Sony Marvel, not Disney Marvel. They get the rights expunged from Sony, mm-hmm. and then Marvel can just come in sweetheart deal and say, okay, we'll give you this much more of a cut if you give us 100% rights to cut Sony out. Yes. I like the way you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... To have something like this fall into their laps uh, might be too coincidental for it to be true Mm -hmm. but so i'm strangely okay with this because i know a lot of people were freaking out saying like oh my god that means marvel's gonna lose the rights to these characters no no marvel's not gonna lose the rights to these characters it is it is interesting uh that it was disney who back in the 90s um fought to have copyright time extended yep I think it was initially 35 years and mm-hmm. they they fought and had the laws changed so it would be 75 years. 
Yep. And that's what I was thinking too. I didn't have the numbers in front of me. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if allegedly, I'm going to throw allegedly in front of it, Disney didn't have some senators and some congressmen in their pockets that uh, <clears throat> that 75 might be extended anytime soon. Yeah. You know? So. So the, the thought with this is, is these folks are just looking to get a little bit more money, which I completely understand. You know, if you're, you know, you, you know, your estate, your relatives, your ancestors or whatever had something to do with these multi-billion dollar properties that are part of a multi-trillion dollar operation, you know, and you're looking for like a literal, like you're looking for a third crumb of the mm -hmm. two that you're currently getting, you know, does Disney just kind of like pay these people to go away? Well, yeah, because who is going to be easier to deal with, Sony or the Ditko estate? Yeah. You know, because Sony can fight you. Where yeah. Ditko's like, all right, like right, let's just say, let's just use ballpark numbers. Suppose tomorrow Disney wanted to buy Spider-Man back off of Sony. Like what, $800 million, $500 million? I don't know, I'm just using big numbers. What do you think if tomorrow the Ditko family one Spider-Man back and they just said, all right, we'll give you a hundred million dollars now and a chunk of like, like the, like the rumored Bob Kane deal, 1% of Spider-Man from here on out. What do you think they'd do? I'd, well, I know I would ask for less money up front and change it from 1% to 3%, but that's just me. Right. All right. Well, so they'd negotiate, yeah. but they wouldn't negotiate for $800 million. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just look at it that, I honestly, this could be good. I, I don't know. And I'd like to see the Ditko estate. I, I, I wish uh, Steve was still around to get that money. Yes. But, I mean, unless Steve Ditko had in his will that my relatives get nothing, then <laughs> money goes to the relatives. You know what I mean? Because, like, you know, sometimes that happens in families, you know, whatever. Certainly uh, does. Wherever, let's just put it this way: wherever Ditko has in his will, his money goes. That's where the money for Spider-Man goes. Yeah. If it's to charity, then that's where it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So it was just one of those things that was happening like Friday, mm -hmm. and people were going nuts. Like Marvel's going to lose the rights to these <laughs> characters. It's like, do people like read beyond the headlines? I don't no. think so. No, do you know how many times I've sat in the comic shop and like listen to somebody come in and show you the head the headline and then I'm like, "All right, let me let me read this and in that in the article it totally contradicts the headline." So that's all it is. That's just, you know, that's what people read and then they're they've been educated, Joe. Uh-huh. All right. So, uh again, that's really all there is in the news this week. Uh, conventions this weekend uh, in Sioux City, Iowa, Todd, Ooh. is the Supercon. Oh, I see what they did there. Spelled like Sioux in Sioux City, Iowa. Mm -hmm. uh, more of a comic book straight-up convention. Uh, Phil Hester, Doug Monkey, uh, Ron Mars are going to be there. So if you're in that area this weekend, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday convention. Uh, right. Definitely check that one out. I, I wish there was like a Johnny Cash impersonator that would write a song for a con named Sue. Mm. That would be awesome. No, there's not Johnny Cash impersonators out there. there. I think there was one that was supposed to be at the, the, I can't think of the name of the theater that's next to the bag in Scranton. 
Okay. The Leonard. I know that name causes you pain. But uh, there was supposed to be a Johnny Cash uh, impersonator there for and around my birthday. And the bassist was going to take me, but the Johnny Cash impersonator had a stroke and they canceled the show. Oh, boy. So... Is, it, is his name Jackie Money or something? <laughs> yeah, it's Jackie Money. Yeah. I was going to say Eddie Money, but he's an actual person. Oh, that would be even better. Eddie Money just doing Johnny Cash songs? Yeah, why not? Hey, <laughs> if you can get the work, go for it. So the link to that convention, if you're so inclined, is in the show notes, along with uh, all the other links that accompany every one of these episodes, uh, primarily soon-to-be-named network stuff. Uh, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in the network, anytime they go live, I know you use your podcatchers, but uh, I get notified 11 years too late uh, by podcatchers <laughs> that certain podcasts are stagnant. So I don't know if I trust them so much. Trust me, trust soon to be named network.com. Anytime this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, at odds with wrestling, we need wrestling, wings on wings, puzzle warriors three, profane arguments, final wrestling place, and porch talk. Anytime any of those shows go live, or anytime folks from those shows appear on other shows go live, you could find it all there. You could also find our friend Kevin, uh, his website, Masked Library, just coming off a hot haul from uh RetroCon in greater Philadelphia Oaks, PA area. He may have even swung by a, a certain importer-exporter location looking for someone. I heard rumors, yes. Yeah, he did He did contact me ahead of time, and I said, I don't think the fancy gentleman works on the Lord's Day. That's right. The Lord being uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He beat me to it. <laughs> uh, we can go check out his site, masklibrary.com. You can go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop for all the cool resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi, fantasy, and wrestling stuff that he does. Listeners of the show, Chris Runt and Jason Sandberg, respectively, have made their own comic books, uh, Battle Monsters and Jupiter. They might be flipped, but the links to those are in the show notes where you can pick those up through Comixology. And uh, if you are so inclined, be sure to check out the link for our local comic book store, Comics on the Green. Uh, if you do not have a good comic book shop in your area or any comic book shop in your area, let them be your comic book shop via mail. Uh, they do a great, uh, brisk, subscription service through the mail whether you get your books sent to you weekly monthly uh yearly let's not go that far but i'm sure they would do it uh or if you want to make the trek it's worth it it's uh you know i've had friends of mine that live as far as florida south and as far west as michigan uh when traveling through our area make sure to stop at our local comic book shop just to check things out mm -hmm. and, and i hear it's a very photogenic shop so oh yeah, again, I I need I might take a new picture. Last couple times I was there, it was raining, and that's not the best time to take a picture. I got to take a picture of the outside of the shop during magic hour. Right, and the problem with the shop was that recently there was green lines painted, so you were so you were shook. I don't know nothing about no green lines. Right, that'd be like saying there was a St. Patrick's Day parade in September. That doesn't make a lick of sense, Todd. What? Of course it makes sense. Money's money, Joe. It's all green for St. Patty's Day. I guess. They should pay dollar signs on the street instead of lines. Oh, Gene Simmons will sue. He has the rights to money signs on streets. 
He has both the one line through and the two lines through the ass. <laughs> yep. He's no dummy, that Gene Simmons. No, he's not. Uh, but if you are a mail order person, there's a chance you might get a sketch from our good friend Becky. You could go check out her process on her social media, which is also linked in every show post. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're not a physical uh, comic book person, I completely understand. They do take up a lot of space. If you're a digital person, you've been waiting for some stuff to go on sale. Uh, there is a bunch of stuff on sale. Uh, Valiant has Harbinger stuff on sale. Uh, Dark Horse has Stranger Things stuff on sale. Uh, Dynamite is having sales on Army of Darkness and Undead stuff. I guess that's anything that has a zombie in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vampirella stuff. IDW having a sale on My Little Pony stuff. Image having something called a fall reading sale, which is a nice catch-all to a lot of their more recent stuff. And there's been a lot of really good recent stuff from Crossover to Department of Truth and lots of stuff like that. Uh, Marvel having sales on Deadpool, Doctor Strange, and X-Men Inferno. Um, This one for almost last is Boom having a young adults sale, Mm -hmm. but they're calling it the... Boom, YA all day sale. I like that. Uh, I don't. What? I don't know. Trying to hip it up for the younger folks. I don't like it. Well, that's because you're out of touch, Joe. I'm absolutely out of touch. Bet your kid would love it if you told him that. Eh, Maybe. He's a big reader. (laughs) No, sadly. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, last but not least, DC's weekly sale this time is on Justice League related stuff. So mm-hmm. that covers quite a bit of things. Uh, I always recommend the Grant Morrison run from the late 90s when it was uh, rebranded as JLA. It was the big seven on the team for the first time in a long time. And if you want to kind of pinpoint when Batman became the Batman that we know he is today, it was this series. Eh, okay, I'll let you have that one. No? I think he was probably earlier than that, but... I think this is the one where they really lean into it. Well, this is the first one, I, like, where it leads into he has the plan for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, which would be, like, later, actually, like, Batman, you know, could take on anything in the first, like, run of the Grant Morrison. But really, the I think it was the Tower of Babel... Right. With Wade was where it was like, yeah, I have a plan to wreck you all kind of a deal. But, I mean, you go back to, like, Batman just kicking Superman's butt and, like, the Dark Knight Returns. He always had, you know, the number before this. Mm, I, so I'll say that was an imaginary tale and a one-on-one prepared for the battle, taking on an aged Superman. Okay. Um, <laughs> this, spoilers for a 27-year-old comic book. Or however old it is. Um, but, like, the white Martians attempt to take over who are on, like, Martian Manhunter level powers. Yep. And Batman takes down four of them by himself. Yeah, but that's because he had a gas can in a match. I could take down uh, Martians if I had a gas can in a match. Could you, Todd? Yeah, because they freak out and they just, oh, we have fire. Ah, oh, bad. You know, it's all good. My money's still on Batman over you. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I am the Batman of Scranton. It's the, not the Batman they need. It's the Batman they deserve. So. Yeah. And it's the Batman we have left. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I'm still better than Azbat. It's okay. 
Oh, that's a low bar, but anyway. <laughs> it is. Todd, don't don't insult yourself so much, really. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let us get into what we read from this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with Red Sonia, Black, White, and Red, number three. Yes. So there was a couple stories in this, right? But mm-hmm. the main story was uh, from Simone and Walter Giovanni, a team on that classic run that we love so much from all those years back. Right. And uh, I hate to say it, but this was like a little disappointing. What? You mean the silent issue, Joe, except for the two sentences at the end? Uh, Yeah. I'm with you. When I got this and I started flipping through it, I mean, it looks good. It's Gail Simone and, and you know, Giovanni and everything. And I'm like, okay. But I, I, like, I got three pages in and I'm like, all right, I see what this is. It's just a recap of basically the high spots of their story and like her origin story kind of a deal, but told with no dialogue. So I think it was more of a cheat. I mean, I, I don't want to bag on Gail because I love, you know, her stuff. But it was like, was this real? like... This is was was this a two line email to to Giovanni to do the artwork? You know what I mean? I don't know. It just I I don't want to hate on it, but I I it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, uh, again, definitely not hating on it, but definitely uh, I should have set my expectations much lower. Yes, yes. Um, maybe if this was the full issue and we didn't have the backup features, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't read the other two stories. I did. The one was actually really good about, uh, Red Sonia finding a young girl in the forest and she ends up like taking her home and like the, the, the girl tells a lie, but in the end, uh, Red Sonia is kind of a bit of a mentor. It's, it's a fun story, but after, you know, having a story with two lines of dialogue, it, you know. It was it just stood out to me, and I kind of tapped out on the third story. So yeah. Uh, so again, the, the, our favorite creative team returns, but with a whimper. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and this was a four dollar book. Uh, so or five dollar book. Oof. So um, you know, buyer beware. I guess. Sorry for leading you astray. The other, you know, thirty some issues they did all those years ago were really good. Well, at least you could put this next to it in your collection. So right, exactly. I'm I'm t- so <laughs> I'm trepidatious here. Um, it's solicited for October. The uh, Jeff Loeb Tim Sale like long Halloween special or whatever it is. Right. And I have all of those uh, Jeff Loeb Tim Sale Batman stuff. You know, mm-hmm. even like there was like a Halloween special that they did and something yep. else that they did. And I'm like, OK, well, I have them all right. Dark Victory and whatever the other one was that they did together of Batman stuff. And I'm like, I have them all. They're together in the box in the same spot. And this is another one. And I'm sure it'll be at least a five to six dollar book. And uh, I'm like, is this going to be like a silent issue? Oh, that'd be great if it was all just Tim Sale art. And I'm okay with Tim Sale art, but I don't know. I don't want to get, I don't want to get uh, swindled twice in one month by uh, my comic books. The long Halloween opportunity. Yes. One time I'll sit still for, but twice I won't. Who's right. in charge over there? 
Yep. Well, two different companies, so it's okay. Right. So uh, you decided to add another book uh, to our discussion. It's a book that we haven't talked about in a little bit. I think also because it's another book that may uh, had some delays. See, I don't know if it had delays. I just feel like when you have Batman coming out twice a month, a book that comes out once a month feels like it's forever. So I don't know. But you have spreadsheets and stuff, so you'd know better than me. But uh, it, you but, you really can't check my DC's uh, website because it's not like they give you dates of stuff when it comes well, out, and right. it's not like those dates are correct either. What they've been telling me, Superman: Son of Kal El is coming out this week for the last three weeks. Well, guess what, Joe? We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, All right, go ahead. But uh, Batman Detective Number Three by Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert. Um, <clears throat> at this point. Uh, in England, Batman's hunting down with uh, Squire uh, Equilibrium, who is a person who has a group of people dressed like Batman who are knocking off all the people Batman saved over the years. And so Batman goes to stop him. And at one point, uh, he uses like this all his uh, people that he knows, like his connections, to find uh, the person that he's looking for. And they find out that they have a group uh, that were people, people were invited to this building and they're all people Batman has saved over the years. So Batman's like, well, I'm heading there. Um, he goes, he ends up bringing the bat semi, which is fantastic, you know, saves the day. And uh, he realizes that, you know, equilibrium's on the run again. He's like, well, she's not going to make the same mistakes that she made last time. So I have to look into uh, getting information from Ducard and Ducard ends up basically giving them uh, Equilibrium's origin, which is, you know, an interesting origin. It's with the story, it definitely works. And then in the end, um, they end up putting the pieces together for what uh, Equilibrium's uh, next job is going to be. And it's pretty big. So Batman's like, we have to, you know, we have to take care of this. Once again, I, you know, I'm a Tom Taylor guy. This is a great issue uh, for the overall arcing story. I'm looking forward to how it ends. Um, I highly recommend this, as I always call this book. This is uh, the the Dark Knight Returns done right. So, uh, so there was only a delay for this issue. Um, okay, April, May, June, July. Those uh, first four issues came out right as is. This was originally solicited for August. Got bumped back a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm with you. I've been enjoying this. Uh, I like Andy Kubert's art in this. And this is one of those Batman books where the quote-unquote mystery is not going to shock you. Mm -hmm. Or not that you're always like, oh my god, I didn't see that coming. And I hate to say that it's predictable, but it's telling the story in the way that it's supposed to be told. Right. You know, you have whatever it is with Ducard, and Equilibrium's whole spiel is that she's killing everyone that Batman has ever saved. And, of course, that ties directly into her origin. Mm-hmm. And then this now finally at the end of issue five before the last issue is we get like what her giant grand scheme is. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with. And again, I, I don't want this to be a negative connotation either, but there's no wrong with telling a comic book story that's very paint by numbers. Because, you know, it's it's in the right creative team's hands, like it still could be a fun, exciting story, which is exactly what this is. Right. And we still have one issue to go. Yeah. So you never know what curveball you could be throwing. I'm with you. I, sometimes I think 
people want to get too cute with stories. Yes. And in the end, they hang themselves with that. Yes. So. Or, or, and again, I say paint by numbers. Sometimes a, a creative team will paint themselves into a corner where they have a great beginning and a great middle, but they have no way to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of got to like mess up the ending because it's like, well, uh, we don't really know how we got here, but we got to figure out how to get out of here. And then how they get out makes no sense. Right. Happens more often than you would like. I agree. Uh, so that's what we've read this week. Um, let's look at what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them sent to your home, uh, whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. And now here we are with, what, three months left of the year and it's all tied up. Like the previous nine months didn't make a lick of difference. What? They all mattered, Joe. All Mm -hmm. the mattered. So because Todd started, he has to guess what book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week. Yes. Is the book you're looking forward to most Batman versus Bigly number one? (laughs) No, uh, not Bigly, Big B. Um, but no, that's not the book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week. What is it? Amazing Spider-Man 74. Is this the end or the beginning? More on that next week when we talk about it. Okay. <laughs> this is the last Nick Spencer issue, though, isn't it? No, 70, I think 70, oh, that's right. This is, 74 is the last Nick Spencer issue. 75 is the new creative direction, whatever, whatever. Right, oh, so, okay. But more on all of that next week. All right. Looking at your list, what is Deathstroke Inc. number one? That is the new Deathstroke Black Canary book. Who is the creative team on that? I'm not 100% sure on who the creative team is. Okay, see, it's written by Joshua Williamson. I know who that is. Yep. And art by Howard Porter. Yep. I know it's not Darkhawk 2. You tipped your hand earlier today on that. What? That was a mistake. I should have bold letters, Darkhawk 2, this way with an arrow. And maybe something you... Intimated that earlier. Let's say Superman, Son of Kal-El, number three. It is not. Okay. Which is which is high on the list. But uh, Josh Williamson wrote that run, like that, I don't know how many issue, 100 issue run of Flash with somehow Reporter. Um, I want to see what he could do with Deathstroke. Normally it would be Superman, Son of Kal-El. But this is one of those, I'm going to try and hopefully it'll be really, really good or I'll be off this book very, very fast. <laughs> So it is Deathstroke, Inc. number one. Yes. Okay. So again, still uh, tied up. Knotted up, as you said. Yes, sir. Let me add that to my notes. While we're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out everything else that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the 2021 Smash Sensation Todd and Joe have issues where we look at the mid to late 2000s run of 
Jonah Hex by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. And the, uh, I don't know what the Spider-Clone saga is. As far as I know, this guy with blonde hair has always been Spider-Man saga. Yes. So am I starting? Yes. Okay, so we're doing Spider-Man 64. Her name is Poison. Um, so the issue starts with Spider-Man, or you know, our blonde-haired Spider-Man, um, saving a boy from a fire. Uh, you know, ends up you know giving him CPR, and the kid's like, "Well, you know, my my mother, my mother's in there," and he's like, "You know, he's like, oh, I don't think anybody could have survived that kind of a deal." <clears throat> so they end up taking the kid off in the ambulance, and there's this annoying reporter that keeps hassling Spider-Man with questions. Um, and he's like, you know, I don't feel like answering anything because like, she's like, are you with Scarlet Spider? Blah, blah, blah. Like all these different things. And in, in the midst of it, like the building ends up starting to collapse from the fire and Ben ends up saving everybody. Uh, that's kind of cool. While the kids on the way to the hospital, um, the uh, ambulance gets attacked by El Toro Negro. And he's like, the, the boy is Mayan ends up kidnapping him. Um, so while this is going on, uh, the mother who is poison to this child, uh, uh, the mother of this person is poison. This character I've never heard of. They end up saying that, uh, she met Spider-Man in a web Spider-Man annual and there's like backstory of all, all of it. So I don't really know. Um, it kind of goes into some, some stuff later with that. I get confused. Uh, the, the next day, Ben's working at the coffee shop. He's talking with Buzz, and she, he's basically giving us the rundown on who Poison is. She's like, she can fly. She's invulnerable. Got considerable strength. Um, has to, like, her deal was she was in Florida with uh, drug lords, and she had problems with them. So Ben's getting the story as, as we are. And Ben's like, ah, I don't have an apartment. So Buzz is like, hey, uh, you know, I'll give you a reference, just don't, or I'll give you a, some leads, but don't tell anybody that I, that I gave them to you. So I don't know if Buzz is a bad guy or whatever, but, uh, so we get to see that this, this rich guy named Paris Scott, who, uh, is, has this great game kind of thing that I don't know. And he wants poison to be a part of it. Um, this, this, all the great game stuff is very confusing to me. Um, so we cut to Mysterio buying a cable network, all like Ted Turner. And he's like, this will, uh, you know, this, this is my plan and it's going to show the world and Spider-Man that I'm the greatest showman of all. Uh, Ben gets his apartment from a woman with a very good makeup, uh, regime. <laughs> very, very nice. Um, he goes out to see poison in the hospital and she ends up freaking out. And uh, Ben asks about the, the kid. And they're like, well, we never got here. Um, somebody, the, van, the ambulance crashed. And, uh, you know, we don't know what happened. <clears throat> so Ben's going to look into that. <clears throat> At that point, the, the guy who runs the great game or is part of the great game comes and gives poison like a costume and is like, you know, re speedy recovery, ma'am. Like, you have to go do it. Uh, ben shows up and he's like, hey, well, you know, we'll go look into it. And he's like, no, no, El Toro Negro took took my kid and don't go anywhere near him because he'll hurt him. I'll handle it. And she ends up flying off to meet him. Uh, he has the kid, you know, with one of those uh, wrapped in a bomb vest kind of a deal and says like, hey, you call up 
the guy and tell that you don't want the contract. The contract for the great game should have been for me. So if you say, you know, you're out, I won't hurt the, hurt the kid. And I have a dead man switching my hand. So if you, you hit me and I let it go, the, the kid dies. So Ben has followed him there and he's like, don't listen. Like we can work this out. We can save the kid. Uh, the, the villain's like, no, uh, you beat up Spider-Man or I'll blow up the kid. So they end up fighting. He's like, you can't listen to him. Uh, I know how they all are. You're going to, you you know, he's going to double cross you. And she ends up getting the best of Ben. And the kid pleads like, hey, Ma, don't kill Spider-Man. He saved me. Um, and she lets him go. And he's like, ah, the boy dies. And this is my favorite part of the thing is so much explanation. And she's like, the alien life form from whom I received my powers traveled from star to star. She inhabited my body for a short time and then left for the stars once again. But she left behind a small part of her powers. Power enough to remove one such as you from the face of the planet. Prepare yourself, Spider-Man. Prepare to be removed. And then she ends up like releasing this energy which is very bright nobody could see it she's completely destroyed spider-man and uh he ends up going like all right you did good but i'm still gonna you know blow up your kid and kill you goodbye but wouldn't you know it ben's still there and he ends up webbing his hands close so he can't take it off the dead man switch and he and he ends up knocking him out and he's like hey they're nice trick teleporting me close to him but you could have warned me. Oi, the headache I've got. Believe me, it's nothing compared to my own. She says, teleportation is something I will never try again. So I'm like, okay, it was a one-time shot. And he's like, well, if you need my help in New York. She's like, no, you've done enough already. I can handle it. The end. So I'm hoping this is the end of the great game. But I have a feeling <laughs> that it's probably not, Joe. Well, so I'll say this um, in regards to our exposure to the great game. Mm -hmm. It is the end of our exposure to the great game. Okay. Was there a lot before this? There was a lot before this, and there will be a lot after this. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll kind of delve into it a little bit more when we take care of it next week. But obviously, as this is the relaunch of Spider-Man as Ben Riley being the one true Spider-Man... Um, this is each of the four Spider-Man titles attempting to have their own distinct voice. A la Superman doing the four different titles back in the day? Yes. Okay. Uh, where Clone Saga goes from, why don't we do Age of Apocalypse, but with Spider-Man, Spider-Man now has become, why don't we do, you know, 1992 Superman, but with Spider-Man. Right, without dying. Without um, dying. So my take on this issue, just to be, I did not care for it because, all right, the setup stuff is fine. He gets an apartment. You know, we learn a little, like, Buzz. I find out that Buzz is going to be the guy who just gives Ben all his information because he hasn't been around for a long time. Um, but all in all, because it's like, you know, El Toro Negro and Poison, it's like, and there's all these annotations. I'm like, I just don't care. You know what I mean? Because... It seems like there's all this backstory that I'm not getting, which is fine, but I'm just like, eh, it's a story, if you get what I mean. Right. I have to remember correctly, and we'll attempt to discuss it more when we do Spectacular next week, but it's more so of, like, Sensational is the one where, like, it's the new takes and the old villains, right? Mm-hmm. 
an amazing Spider-Man ends up being um, the how old parts of Peter Parker's life are now fitting into Ben Riley's life. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man adjective list. This is more so your organized crime mafiosa stuff. Yes. And then spectacular Spider-Man gets to be like the darker book, quote unquote. While Mysterio like snakes between all of them. Yeah. Okay. So I gotcha. again, this is just like, you know, these four issues in a row, it's just like, these are what your new Spider-Man books are going to be forever. Except not really forever. Right. Uh, Cause there's some loose ends we got to tie up. And then uh, we kind of figure out when Dan Jurgens leaves that like, we may have sold someone a bill of goods that they may what? not 100% agree with. Right. Right. That doesn't sound like what is happening at all. Exactly. Uh, so my uh, book that I had to read this week, Jonah Hex number 51 coming hot off the heels of arguably one of the greatest issues of Jonah Hex. Nay, one of the greatest single issues of a comic book of all time. Uh, so just by comparison, this book was going to look and feel weaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not saying that, you know, it was more so, it was more so along the lines of like, how do you follow this? Right. Right. Yep. And this just was your with art by Dick Giordano, uh, which I think was the first time that we've seen him do art on one of these issues. I believe so. And even though the way that books are colored are different all the time, I don't think Giordano's art fit with the way that this book was colored. I, I could agree with that. I like Giordano, Giordano's art. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering because I, you know, I read it digitally too. I want because I, I don't have the issue with me. But it might have been colored different for the comic because I sure. know sometimes they do that. But yeah. Uh, so this issue essentially is is a man who has died, um, and there may be foul play. There may be something nefarious. Brett Singleton, uh, his grieving widow, who is much younger than he is, is there, and uh, the local folks have called in a bounty hunter, Jonah Hex, to find out what happened to Brett Singleton. Jonah immediately accuses the wife, uh, Rona. Rahona, I'm not sure how you would pronounce R-H-O-N-N-A. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, oh, it was the local preacher who uh, hired the bounty hunter to come in and find out what happened to Brett Singleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happened was Brett Singleton uh, is an opportunity artist, Todd. <laughs> he had uh, he was one of those uh, divining rod folks where he had a stick that could find where water was. Uh, then his opportunity was going to be he was going to plant ore and minerals and some gold and silver around and say, oh, I was able to to divine this on this land that I own. Why don't people move here? And then I'll rip you off for your money and my wife and I unknowingly will get away with all this. Right. So while this is going on, of course, some people kill him, uh, Brett Singleton. And it's the local preacher who has a crush on the wife um, Mm -hmm. who kind of made all of these things happen behind the scenes. He called in Jonah to kind of muddy the waters even more. And like I said, Jonah immediately suspects the wife, but eventually figures things out. Um, Rahona uh, stabs the preacher in the eye with a stick. And Jonah's morals are like a little twisted in this issue, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
where it's very clear that like these bandits or outlaws or whatever it is killed this Brett Singleton guy. Right. And they kidnapped the wife. Now, I don't think the wife was in on it with them. It certainly doesn't seem that way. But when the wife kills the preacher, Jonah's like, well, you're lucky I have to deal with these people because you just murdered a man in cold blood and I really should take you in. And I'm just like, I don't know. I think she was kind of justified here, you know? The You've preacher a- kind of screwed up her life and got her husband killed on him. See, I always felt the woman was kind of involved because what what it was was she was involved in the scams, but she yes. wasn't involved in the murders. So I don't know. It's I get what you're saying. This is a weird thing. But then, you know, uh, the priest gets the uh, the Ricky O to the eye. So, yes, I'm not, you know, whatever. It's 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 an it's an interesting issue. I'm with you. It's not the greatest. It's not the worst. So. A fine. Right. A fine issue. It was a tough act to follow in issue 50. And this issue did not do a good job of it. Right. Let me put it this way. I'm glad it was actually this issue because this will be your Jonah Hex sorbet. Ah. To, cl- to to cleanse the palate for whatever comes next, and I don't really remember what you know story <laughs> is next, but you know, like you need to get like don't waste a really good one off the the best issue of the run. You know what I mean? Yeah, you get an okay one, and then kind of now you're kind of distanced from fifty. You know? Yeah, yeah. Putting more blockers in between there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so next week, uh, we'll be discussing issue 52 of Jonah Hex and issue 230 of Spectacular Spider-Man, our darker issue of what's going on in Ben Riley's life. Yep. I'm always okay with the one for ones. Yeah. Uh, I think we might be heading back into twos. So. I know. I looked ahead. So. Okay. Yeah. We're back into twos here shortly, but we're in the home stretch, Todd. We are. Yeah. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our store link there where you can buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them, sitting right here in this office, ready to ship to you. Uh, if you want even more fancy things with even more fancy logos inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, Add Odds with Wrestling, and Hit My Music, you can head over to our T Public store, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, where you can get those logos on everything from cell phone covers to throw pillows and everything in between. Uh, you can also help us out by signing up for our Patreon. $5 a month is going to get you two bonus shows from Todd and I. One is six never-seen movies. I assign Todd six movies he's never seen. He assigns me six movies I've never seen. We alternate months, and uh, we go from there. Pretty soon, we'll be having the poll for what the 2022 movie uh, show is going to be uh, on the Patreon. And, of course, previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. We're getting ready to record uh, October 1991 this weekend, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, also at that $5 level, you also get After Dark a couple days before everyone else. So you can listen to After Dark and this show in the correct listening order, which is, you know, the order in which we record it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another way that you can help us out is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. 
Uh, they, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the advertising fee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this week include... Uh, somebody purchased a uh, ink cartridge for their at-home printer. Uh, you know, that's still a thing. I'm printing stuff out at least once a month to hand my <laughs> new list into the comic book shop. Or invoices or whatever. Or or anything, right. Uh, somebody purchased a 30-count uh, uh, pack of Nestle Hot Chocolate Packets. Uh, somebody also rented through Amazon the film The Big Short. Are you aware of this film, The Big Short, Todd? Yes, I am, but I've never seen it. Okay. So. Um, it's it's a, essentially it's a movie about the stock market. Right. Uh, but there's a scene in the movie uh, where there's a specific aspect of shorting a stock that's explained to you by Margot Robbie in a bathtub. I don't know if that's in your interest or not. That might be something you might want to look into. You still have one movie I haven't seen yet. <laughs> I mean, it's win-win for both of us. That's true. That's true. Uh, somebody also purchased a 12-pack of reusable non-stick jumbo silicone baking cups. Mm. And somebody purchased a pack of Perfect Pod Easy Cup disposable paper filters with patented lid design for reusable coffee pods. That's like you're you're cooking up your own uh, Keurig stuff. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you ever like uh, finagled around or looked at a Keurig that uh, the gimmick in the top when you pop the pod. Mm-hmm. That thing's sharp. Well, it's supposed to be for for popping. Well, it's listen. It, if you push anything with enough force, it's gonna break through whatever the little film there is. But it's like a little mini dagger that you're stabbing <laughs> through there. They're not taking any chances at the current company, right? Uh, but thank you, uh, anyone and everyone who has made any and all purchases through the Amazon click through this week, this month, or whenever. Uh, all the loyal patrons, anyone who's ever bought a shirt or a sticker or a pin or a T Public purchase. Uh, we thank you for the continued support here at Longbox Heroes. Yes. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have an art attack this week um, from Kidney for Manny. Check out this JLA Litho from one of my favorite artists, Alex Ross. And, uh, you know, just a Justice League group, which has uh, Martian Manhunter in it, which uh, kind of confuses me because I always thought Alex Ross didn't know who Martian Manhunter was. But, uh, yeah, anything that uh, Alex Ross does is always gorgeous. And it's 75 of 500 numbered um, by Alex Ross. Very, very nice. Always wanted something from Alex Ross, but uh, he's a bit out of my price range, Joe. <laughs> For sure, and I like the way, and maybe it's just the way that the picture's taken, that this, like, the, the ink's on it, because it's not a colored piece, mm-hmm. but the way that it's inked is almost like a purple, like a purplish blue. Right. And I don't know if that's, like, a standard thing for Alex Ross, or that's just the way that this looks, but I think that adds, like, so much to this piece. I agree. Yeah. I like it. It's the coloring, or whatever you want to call it, and it is is nice. Uh-huh. That or he left it in the window and it faded. Let's hope not. Let's, <laughs> right. let's hope I'm that's not what happened. Yeah. Right. Uh, and hey, uh, don't forget to do your uh, pigskin pickums. 
Mm-hmm. I saw Todd tweeting at the official Pigskin Pickens account, giving them the business. Yep. And um, uh, I'm sure they were right on top of that to fix things. Um, They did not. They they still have to check my tweets. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, so that uh, ESPN numbers, a bunch of whatevers, whatevers, is still in first place. And Jake Straps mm-hmm. is in uh, first place. Yep. I, I'm putting this out there. Um, if you're ESPN, I'm going to do all the numbers. Five, eight, two, eight, seven, two, seven, eight. Picks number one. Get to me because um, I have a weird feeling that you might be like some kind of bot or somebody who doesn't listen to the show. Mm. Um, so let us know if you're who you are, so I don't so I don't bounce you if you're actually a a person oh that we know. Because I have the power as the you know the chairman. I anybody can go at any time. Oh, listen to you. I just, hey, I just want names that I that I that I can prove these are people because <laughs> I've locked the group so nobody can enter or leave now, so no one can swap out like you know you make whatever. It's it's official now, Joe. You you're quite the taskmaster when it comes to this sort of thing. I am, I am. So get get to us if anybody knows who this is. Let me know. Give me the Iggy because if I don't hear from you in a couple of weeks, I know Jack Strap. You know. He made a name. I trust him. That's a name you can trust, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have all of that. And then I think all we got left is uh, TV talk, right? Yes, I think that's it. Hey, so before we get into TV talk, I would be remiss not to mention uh, Venom 2 comes out. I don't think that's the title of the movie. I think it's called like Venom and Here Comes Carnage 2. Right. Carnage also. Carnage. T-O-O. <laughs> or what was the um when there were the Scooby Doo cartoons where like it was just like uh Shaggy and Scooby and it was like the Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy Two Hour or something like that <laughs> right yep I, I get I get a I get a strong uh Scooby Scrappy Venom Carnage vibe from this uh, film and uh, I'll make this admission I never saw the first Venom movie. Either did I, though I do want to see Woody Harrelson's wig on the big screen, but I probably won't. I mean, I still haven't seen Shang-Chi, so uh, I don't know. Yeah, and uh, I I fought real hard not to have Shang-Chi spoiled on me, so. Right, I've been doing pretty good, so. Uh Soon, soon. Certainly. So, um... Let's uh, get into what we uh, watched TV-wise in the last seven days. And uh, I think you're going to kick things off with uh, Stargirl, correct? Yes. Stargirl, the latest episode of Stargirl. There's basically two side stories really quick. Um, One of them is Amy Smart's character. She's running uh, icicles, like, you know, charity thing. And she ends up deciding like to help people. And she's, she's going to, she's doing really good while she has somebody who's like struggling, like fighting against her decisions on the the board and stuff. So that's kind of cool. And then she ends up maybe hearing the shade and seeing his shadows. Maybe, um, that like, cause he's been beat, he was beaten up by Eclipso last we saw. So we don't get a shade appearance, but maybe him asking her for help. Um, and then the other subplot is, uh, Mike and Pat building, rebuilding Stripe 
And, uh, you know, Mike's maybe not, you know, the strongest guy, but uh, he's helping. And I, I do believe it was Mike who gave the devil horns, uh, the heavy metal horns on the, on Stripe's, ha- uh, Stripe's <laughs> hand. That I don't think it was Sportsmaster 2 and uh, Fiddler. So, uh, but that was kind of cool. And while Mike is do like, you know, doing some repairs, he sees the diamond, uh, like light up and he goes over to see it and it's in pieces since Eclipso escaped from it. But we see that it still has power um, because it gives him visions of like uh, leeches and stuff. And Pat comes back and he's like, don't, don't touch this, leave it alone. Um, He's like, well, why do you still have it? And he goes, because the diamond was Eclipso's weakness. I'm hoping that it somehow still is and we can, you know, use it for whatever. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But the, uh, the crutch of this episode is Yolanda dealing with her, uh, having killed uh, brainwave and she's having these visions. Like she's going to, well, she's going to the church to, uh, confess and she's asking the priest if he believes in true evil and the devil and the, and the priest is kind of like, you know, seeing that, that, that there's something wrong. And she's ending up having visions of of Brainwave Junior and Brainwave kind of off in the distance following them. She's at summer school with uh, Stargirl and she's, you know, sees uh, Brainwave Junior and she gets up. But we end up like guessing that it's a dream because nobody's reacting. She goes to talk to him and he says like, hey, like, you know, you basically killed me and you, you know, you uh, you killed my father kind of a deal. And because you never forgave me for like what I did with you in the pictures, I'm burning. And she's like, ah, I kind of forgive you. He goes, but my father doesn't forgive you. And she's like, she wakes up screaming and Courtney's trying to help her. Then later on, she goes back to church and the, to confess to the priest a little more. And the priest ends up bringing in the mother, Yolanda's mother, mother of the year. Who's like, I hate her. Um, in a, in a good way, in a good way. She's like immediately like judging her. And I like the priest, like, this is not the time there's been enough judgment. And there's that moment where she's actually kind of like Yolanda's going to reach out to her mother and the mother looks like she's going to help. And she sees uh, another vision and she ends up running out of the church. Um, and she talks to Courtney, Courtney's like, ah, well, maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. This, this, uh, you know, guilt is eating you alive. Why don't we tell our man and Beth, Rick and uh, uh, Beth, and she's like, I don't want to because what if it doesn't go well? She's like, it's not, it's not going to be a problem. There are friends. She ends up sitting down and like, uh, our man's like gets it, but Beth, of course, has to throw a monkey wrench in it, and she's like, I don't know. And Yolanda basically says like, Hey, I'm going to be like, you guys, none of you understand. I'm the one who did this. And when it comes to Eclipso. The only way to stop him is to kill him and none of you are going to do it. Um, and maybe, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't be here. And she ends up going back to the church and gets attacked by a vision of brainwave who's saying, well, since you killed me, I threw myself into your brain. And because you have all this guilt and you're tearing yourself down, you, you know, you're very easy to control and eventually I'm going to win and I'm going to take over your body and, um, you know, and I'll be able to do my thing again. Courtney ends up saving her and Yolanda's like, why did you pick me? Because of me, like I shouldn't have been, I never wanted this. I'm quitting. I'm leaving. And she leaves 
And um, at the end, we get that young kid who's apparently a Calypso. Now he's standing in front of Beth's house. And he was with Yolanda earlier, which makes me think that this kid is giving Yolanda the vision. She has yes. guilt, but he's giving her the visions to take her out of the equation. And now she, he's going to go use Beth's parents' divorce to bust her up and break up like the JSA one by one. And right. So this was a very, you know, obviously there's a very heavy Yolanda episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so you bring up a good point about uh, the creepy Eclipso kid. You know, he's in the uh, diner where there's the bit where the other waitress like Eclipso's out and dumps the coffee on the the the, the bad patron at the mm-hmm. diner, you know? Right. Um. So another thing, so I'll kind of get, well, um, so watching this, I like the way that it was set up. So do you believe that Brainwave is actually living inside Yolanda's head or is this just Eclipso messing with her? I want to actually say it might be a little bit of both mm-hmm. um, because she was having, she was having the, uh, was she having the, the, the migraines, whatever you want to call them before or after Eclipso showed up after. So that's, what's making me think exactly this, right. Cause she wasn't having these sort of attacks before. Right. It was more when Cindy found the diamond and stuff like yes. that. So that's that's kind of what I agree. And I think Eclipso is just like because they say earlier in some of the episodes, we we can't trust anything we see because Eclipso can, can you know can make us see things. And I think Eclipso is just like, I know, I know you're you're riddled with guilt. This is my this is my weapon. So yeah, I I I don't think he's actually in there. Right. But it's it was a good twist with mm-hmm. the story. Uh the way that the whole story was set up, it felt very much like Nightmare on Elm Street, like a horror movie, you know, like because Yolanda's constantly like in this like weird waking, dreaming, like what's reality sort of thing going on. And then we, the viewer, are kind of experiencing it the same way that she is. Um, And also, this is good advice uh, to have no matter what, uh, whether it's an awaking world, a dreaming world or a mystery world. If you see black goop, don't touch the black goop. What? Because there's the bit where Barbara is in the office, right? And she she sees, like, what would be the shadows, like, whatever, going across the ceiling. And then it, like, drips some black goop down on the desk. And she touches the black goop, right? Mm-hmm. Then, in the dream, when Yolanda is following uh, uh, Henry, right? Right. As he's going by, she notices a puddle of black goop on the ground, and she touches the black goop. Mm-hmm. And then when Mike is left to his own devices with his giant wrench putting back <laughs> together Stripe, Mike and the giant wrench may have been my favorite part of the episode if we did a show where we had different show images for every episode, which we're not. Um, then my show image this week would be Mike and the giant wrench. Okay, I just um, have a quick question. Do you not believe in giant wrenches or did you just think it was funny? I just think it was funny. Okay, because I have a wrench Stri- just Stripe like is a giant robot, and you need a giant wrench to work on a giant robot. Mike is a 14 or 15-year-old kid, so here's this little kid with a giant wrench. It was a great... It, it was... It, I don't think it was supposed to be played for comedic effect, but I thought it was very funny. 
Okay, because I because like I said, I I have a couple of wrenches just like that, and I do love the fact that they they did the righty tighty lefty loosey thing. Yes, because so many people don't understand that. But <laughs> there's people that I know think that I don't know that. Right. And anytime that I handle a wrench, they make sure to tell me that. Yeah. And I just give them the death stare. From now on, anytime I see you like working a bottle, like a water bottle with a cap, I can be like Joe, lefty, righty, tighty, lefty, loosey. Yeah. Um. But then when Mike is left alone to his own devices for thirty seconds, right. and he sees the the diamonds, and the diamonds become leeches, or right. like some sort of like malleable item, or whatever it is. Like, okay, first of all, Luke Wilson, don't just leave those diamonds barely covered by a burlap sack for any reason. <laughs> if these are important to take down Eclipso, like, I don't know, guard them with your life. Yeah, let me put them in my Civil War kerchief. Yes. And not even covered all the way. Right, it's just it's just the folded triangle. That's yes. just the impenetrable folded triangle handkerchief. I joke, but I did like this episode a lot. Right. I thought this was for a very heavy episode. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, not heavy. Stargirl heavy, if that makes any sense. Um, so, yeah, I was like, and I thought Yolanda did a good job. Um, and now we're going to get into, we're going to get into Beth. So we'll see. And I'm with you on the goop thing. Never touch goop. That's all. It's, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, even in the, in the real world, it's like, oh, there's goop. Eh, don't touch it, it. Don't touch it. I'm team goopless, Joe. Ah, boy. Right. All right. So a show with very little goop. uh, And that would be (laughs) Why the Last Man, uh, this latest episode. So Yorick and 355 are on their way to Boston to get Dr. Man, the sketchy geneticist Mm -hmm. uh, that they need to hopefully figure out why Yorick is alive. Um, I know we talked episode one, uh, where I'm like, oh, you know, reading the comic book, which came out, you know, almost like 15, 20 years ago and now trying to adapt it for quote unquote today. I'm not sure if it's working, but they're doing a much better job of making it work today. Right. Um, specifically with them having Yorick get caught again and, you know, people just kind of being a little bit more liberal and saying, oh, well, all men are dead. You're probably transitioning and in need of uh, testosterone. testosterone. Right. Yep. Where that is a little bit more common of a thing in 2021, where it was not a thing that was common in 2002. Right. And on that, because in in 2002, it was anybody t- anytime somebody saw him, that like you said that wasn't a thing so in, in imminent danger that's a guy what's going on yeah we have to like now he has another out if you will uh so yes it is it is it is weird in the sense that it's not like the book and no matter what he had a hide you know what i mean now he has excuses if they'll believe it if he gets caught right that he at least has an out yes so, uh, Boston is war-torn. The military has a very heavy presence there. There are rioters. There are looting. There's propaganda being written in the street. 
um, about uh, President Brown being a liar and so forth. And, you know, we do find out later, of course, there's good reasons to believe that. Um, 355, uh, Ashley Romans, the actress who portrays her, again, home run this episode, fantastic, the way that she carries herself in every scene, the way that she convincingly and believingly is part of the show, could pretty much get herself into or out of any situation that she's involved with, uh, which is how she's able to infiltrate into the heavy military presence that's there around Harvard, um, and we get some, uh, so it's during this part here where 355 goes and does this. She tells York to stay put and gives him a knife. And he, of course, doesn't listen, but he doesn't go too, too far. He just picks the lock of the thing behind him. And he stumbles upon a stronghold of the looters and rioters. And he's there. And after they've been tear gassed, he does help some of them out. Um, you know, not unlike when you eat something hot, if you get tear gas in your eyes, pour milk into your eyes and not almond milk or soy milk. It has to be like, you know, the good stuff, the, the whole stuff. Right. Right. Well, I did like that because they established, I know you're joking around, but, uh, that they said like, we don't have any clean water. So that's the only thing York could find. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I like is not only is it a propaganda thing and blah, 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 but it's a printing press. So he steals one of the printing uh, cubes that like you use for printing and it's the ampersand. Yeah. I thought that was really cool because yeah. I don't know if people know what an ampersand is yet. If you're watching the show, because this book is what I learned, how, what an ampersand was. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that's what it was called reading until I read the book. Doesn't he do a bit about that when he first meets up with 355, where he attempts to explain what an He's ampersand like, is? And she, and she goes, I know what it is. Yep. And I think people that at that point, if people are too lazy, they'll just go, oh, they'll explain it to me. Or people who didn't know Googled it immediately after that. No, I I knew what it was before then. I had uh, better schooling than you, apparently. Uh, but I'm a big ampersand, the symbol fan. Right, right. Uh, so he takes that. But I mentioned here two bits, two clues to something, right? 355 is talking to folks and they, the military, are all on Harvard, and this is where she finds out that any of the science stuff um, that was there was probably wrecked early mm. on, okay? Yep. And uh, 355 asks, well, what's left then, really? Uh, you know, and one of the military folks says, I don't know, some art. Um, you know, well, it doesn't matter. Whatever's in here, Washington wants it protected. Yep. That's a clue. There's something else in there. That's yeah, probably not just art. And when the um, the rioters, the people uh, against whatever's going on, come in, uh, it's a little bit more subtle here. But the one of the girls there has a neck tattoo, mm -hmm. okay, closer to the back of her hairline. That's some stars, maybe. Yep. And in the previous episode, um, President Brown noticed one of the people working for her with her had a tattoo that looked just like that. Yep. And they don't really spend a lot of time on it in the previous episode. She looks, she notices it. She takes a second beat and they move on with the scene. Mm -hmm. This episode, again, they don't really focus on it. They don't dwell on it, but they just show it and then we move on with the scene. Right. And I also want to say, like you said, with the Harvard, she's like, oh, there's art and stuff. Earlier on, President Brown was like, screw the art. We need water and power and you know what I mean? So 
that if there's art in there, that's not what they're protecting. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So I do. I do totally agree with you. Yes. So I like that. They're 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 planting little seeds like that, um, little bits of information, you know, that might come back later this season, or maybe it'll come up if it gets picked up for another season, which we haven't gotten word yet if it is or is not yet. Right. So, um, they go to uh Professor Mann, Doctor Mann's apartment. They're looking for her there. Uh, they notice there's a crib in there, um, which, you know, will be a talking point a little bit later on when they find her. Um, they notice that she has a picture collage up around a mirror of her at some place, uh, the uh, Union Club of Boston, which is some sort of fancy restaurant or whatever. They're like, OK, she must be there. They go there. And yes, she is there. They're looking around. There's a fire roaring. There's all sorts of things. Uh, Dr. Mann comes and attacks Yorick from behind, not realizing who he is. Uh, but then when she notices that not only is he a man, but also that there's two of them, him and Ampersand, she starts freaking out. Right. She uh, says, cause one's a happenstance. Two is not probable. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that makes her very happy. They say, you need to come with us. 355 is starting to go into her whole spiel about, you know, what they're there to do to get her to bring her back to Washington to figure out Yorick and his existence. Uh, Dr. Mann says, well, um, that's great, but uh, anything that I need to do any of this stuff is in San Francisco. Yep, and if you need my help, and obviously begrudgingly I will help with this information that I have here in regards to Yorick and Ampersand, I will help, but we're going to San Francisco. We're not going back to Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh 355 goes and attempts to call uh, President Brown. And again, President Brown is more the B story. We'll get into all that stuff later once I clear through all this, right? Mm -hmm. um, satellite phone doesn't work, maybe? No, not doesn't work. She breaks the antenna. Okay. Right. So, because so, I want to touch on this when we get to it. But yeah, she breaks the antenna. Yeah, yeah. So she break. So I didn't notice if maybe because so that was me as she's taking it out. I was thinking maybe it broke in the bag or something. I didn't realize she purposely broke it. Yep. Because she ends up telling York, like, stay here. I broke like not I broke, but the phone's broke. I know where I can get a fix for it. And that's where she goes, which on top of this makes me think that three like because, you know, differences in the book, whatever. 355 picked man so she could come to Boston just to do this. Do you know what I mean? Like, who cares who was the most viable person? Right. I picked man because she was in Boston to go to this house. Mm -hmm. But go ahead. Sorry. So uh, she has an address, uh, 355 written down. She goes to the address. And uh, she, no one's there. She breaks in and there is someone there. It's another Culper Ring agent, uh, 525. And they're both kind of vaguely discussing uh, like why they were sent and when they were sent and what the coincidences were, where they were specifically in a deep cover operation. And then all of a sudden two days before everything goes down, they're both pulled out and sent to Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, so three fifty five is like, whatever. She's still kind of trying to play her life and her secrets and her, everything else close to her vest. Uh, 
even though we may have seen a glimpse of that with one of those flashbacks that we saw an episode or two ago. Uh, but 525 is like, no, 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 I'm looking for, and I forget the girl's name, Ruth, maybe? I believe so, but it's probably the one who recruited everybody. Right. She's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go find Ruth, and I'm going to kill her. And if you're smart, you'll do it, too. Yeah. Um. So with that information, uh, 355 goes back to uh, the Union Club of Boston, where Dr. Mann and Yorick are getting sufficiently drunk and bonding. <laughs> Yep. And, uh, you know, Dr. Mann is giving information. Uh, and again, I don't want to say an info dump. I don't want to say drunk ramblings. But it's um, how many it's not how many men we lost. It's how many people we lost. And she starts to talk about genetic an- uh, abnormalities of women who had the Y chromosome and didn't even know it just because of physical deformities or a variety of other things. And they died not even realizing they were a man when all mm-hmm. of this happened. Yep. Um, so that was kind of like putting some poignancy, putting a little bit wider scope on everything that's going on here. Yep. And uh, uh, go ahead. I was just saying the one thing that I really did like was between Dr. Man and York where like everything goes on, like she stabbed him. They end up talking. And in the end, she's just like, they're both drunk leaning up against the wall. And she's like, you have a long road ahead of you. Mm. And, and my favorite line, just, it's, it's a simple line. She's like, and I do not envy you. And you're yeah. like, and that to me is like a moment for them. And York kind of realizes like, I'm looking for Beth. This may take, 15 years of my life to clone yeah. me you know what i mean like or whatever like, the plan oh. is right like that's what she says she says like we have like 15 years before your you know your your genetic stuff starts wearing down and i'm like and it's just gonna make york do make more bad decisions <laughs> you know what i mean so right but oh and the one last thing is 355 gets her assault stick joe Yes. Which is fantastic because I did mark out when I saw her get that because that's just her classic weapon in the comic, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that being said, she comes back and uh, just tells him, it's like, yeah, we got the approval to uh, go to San Francisco. Let's go, everybody. Did the mm-hmm. president say anything else? Yeah, she said hi. <laughs> <laughs> Which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty much the main, that's our A story. Um, our B story is the stuff with the president, of course, them preparing for the arrival of the, and I forget her name. Who has nuclear heat as soon as we start talking to her. Yeah. Uh, so she shows up and again, I, I feel so bad that I forget her name. Mm Mm-hmm. But she's the uh, secretary who technically should be the president, but they assume that she was dead. Right. And uh, already, uh, what's her name? Kim is already making uh, deals with her on the side, or at least attempting to make deals with her on the side. And she almost almost wants none of it, too, which is great. Uh, To start kind of uh, putting whatever sort of uh, split there is there. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, we find out that one of, uh, well, I I would assume outside of 355, uh, President Brown's right-hand woman uh, finds out that she's pregnant. Right. And she 
is the only other one who knows about Yorick. Yes. And Kim is trying to use to angle uh, stuff out of her. So they're going and Kim ends up being nice for a second because she, uh, she, the lady thinks she's having a miscarriage, but she's not, she's like helping her, but you're like, there's no way Kim has this, you know, she does love kids. She lost her kids, but you just feel like it's more, I'm doing this to have something to hold over you than help you. It's, it's very bizarre game of chess in every moment of the uh, presidential stuff. Right. So, so like I said, this takes a backstory. There's no hero stuff in this uh, episode either. Right. Um, but I, again, I'm really enjoying the show. Um, you know, uh, people on my timeline were asking about it. I'm like, check it out. I really enjoy yep. it. I, I am enjoying it too. And I think we were talking last week. You asked me what changes they made. Like, you know, like when the show changed, like what stopped it? I think they made more changes to, to, to honestly, like, I don't want to say like take people's fears, but obviously since the pandemic happened, I think they maybe wanted to lean into that more and you know, like, and now like you could do stuff with this lady who's going to be president. Like she's anti-vaccine and she's this, and she's that. like, you could take what's been going on in the world for the last three years. And I think they leaned into it. That's right. the changes that they made probably. That, and just my opinion. But. Right. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that at this point. First mm-hmm. episode, I wasn't okay with it. I'm like, Oh, I don't like change, you know, right, do yeah. it as a period piece, do it without all this other stuff. But I think them trying to wrap uh, today around the story, um, you know, here we are five episodes in is working. Right, right. Well, because I'm going to be you when we watch Sandman on Netflix. Oh, so I saw um, that the trailer was up. Uh, I don't need to watch the trailer. Um, do you want my I watched the trailer and I won't tell you anything, you know, because I don't want to spoil it. Right. But I watched it. And let me just tell you, I got a, I mean, it gives you a strong issue one of Sam. Like, it's, you know, no spoiler. It's the story. The guy's trying to capture death. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, this this kind of hits all the beats. So I kind of got goosebumps right now. But I know this is going to be the one that I'm going to dig in my heels on any small change. And I'm not going to like it. I'm going to try. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm nervous, but the the trailer filled me with hope, actually. Right, so we don't have a release date on it yet. No. Um, but like I said, I didn't. It, that's one of those things where it's like, you know what? Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll wait for it to pop up on the Netflix and I'll see it there for the first time. The only problem I'm going to have with that is that's going to be a Netflix 12 episode dump or whatever. Okay. And I'm going to be like, uh, Joe, I've... Uh, Next Tuesday, I'm going to be like, I haven't slept, and I've watched all 12 episodes of Sandman, and now I'm a droning on zombie, because <laughs> that's the way I'll probably watch it. Well, when we, uh, hopefully they give us some time, um, some notice when it comes out, mm-hmm. so that I can prepare my wife and make her watch it with me as well. Oh, can we get her on the show? No. Oh. The show records past her bedtime. Okay, okay. Well, Good, I well, few, well past her bedtime. I have a few questions about what you call people who collect toys, so wake her up. 
I'll, you know what? I'm going to ask her first thing tomorrow morning. Okay. Good morning, honey. Did you sleep okay? <laughs> I have an important question for Todd. <sighs> so I guess that's everything, Joe. Yes, that's everything. Uh, that was a full show. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 574, Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.